So we thought, let's do this again in memorial, but also let's look at like, who are you running for? Who are you standing with? Who can you make this a statement for that, that you're going through a dark season and I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night to walk with you? That was Brent Mankey. And this is episode 63 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Brent Mankey is a runner, web designer, and writer who lives in Steinbeck, Manitoba with his wife and three daughters and their new pup. After an initial venture into sprinting in grade school, Brent became more serious about running in the last decade. After competing in many 5K, 10K, and half marathons, he ran his first marathon in 2018. The following year, he found his love for trail running and participated in his first ultra. Since then, Brent has competed in many of the ultras and other trail races in Manitoba. For Brent, running is a medium for exploring his world and also for creating art. In 2018, Brent began writing a daily run haiku based on his morning run and has compiled nearly 1,000 little poems since. In the fall, Brent released a book based on this project called Morning Rounds, which we discuss in this episode. Also that year, Brent started the Longest Night Run as a way to show support and solidarity to his friend diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. The overnight relay has become an annual tradition, in 2020 seeing 160 participants and raising $14,000 for the family. In the wake of this friend's passing, the event carries on this year as a memorial and as a way of showing support for others who are suffering in the community. Although the Longest Night Run was founded with one person in mind, prolonged suffering, extreme presence, grief, acceptance and hope is a part of the shared human experience for us all. Some runs are celebrations, and some are clearly sacred. This is one of those. If you feel the need to honor a person or a place deep in your soul this winter, you can find a way to become involved in our show notes. So Brent, welcome on the Inspired Souls podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. I'm glad to be here. We are really um, excited to talk to you tonight. I've got to say, we recently have been chatting with a whole lot of people from Steinbeck, Manitoba. And there's, I'm starting to wonder if there's something in the water in that town. Like there's something going on there with regards to running. You were nominated to be on our podcast by a, a the coach that seems to be coaching everybody in town, Greg, Greg Penner. I got to give a shout out to Greg Penner because you're doing something right out there. It sounds like there's quite an awesome running community. And he brought you to our attention because it sounds like you've got some pretty cool things going on that we want to talk about. So um, well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So without further ado, why don't you just give us a little bit of your backstory and tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. I am 37 years old. I grew up in Steinbeck, spent a few years away, but then moved back with my wife. And our when we had one child, we moved back here. So I've been living in Steinbeck for about 11 years. And we have uh, three daughters now, 11, 8, and 4 years old. And I'm a web designer by trade. I work for uh, a broadcasting company and do some marketing services, building websites for small companies uh, across Western Canada and do a lot running when I can. So have you always been a runner or how did you, how did your running story begin? 
I remember as a kid, I loved sprinting and I loved playing sports that involved running. I felt like I was faster than a lot of other kids my age, so I could I could tag them down if it was football or I could make it to first in baseball, whatever it is. But I also remember distinctly in junior high, we had to run a mile in 10 minutes. And I remember that was like, I was going to die. I knew for 10 minutes, if I could make it, then then I would have survived something like a death-defying moment. So uh, I just remember hating to, like running a long distance. But for some reason, it, it came up as I, yeah, as I've gotten older now, I started, it became my sport, I guess. All right. So, you know, it obviously evolved at some point uh, to you learning to love the longer distances. So tell us a little bit about that uh, progression. Yeah, I think I started, well, so maybe when I became a, a dad, that was part of it too. I just needed to find a space to get away and to, to exercise that wouldn't take all evening, for example, so I could run a, go out in the mornings and run. So I started doing, I think I did a 10K was my first race that I did about 10 years ago. My first one was actually in the Netherlands. We were going there on vacation. My my wife is from the Netherlands and my in-laws all live there. So I signed up for a random 10K in, in the Netherlands and and then did a few more local 10Ks as well. Uh, a couple of years later, I did my first half marathon. And then I think it was in uh, 2018, so four or five years ago it was that I was sitting actually with Greg Penner. We were having breakfast and he said, so any running dreams for the next year? You know, it was December or January. It was that time of year where you start signing up for races and thinking about yes. things. And he, and he said, have you ever thought about doing the marathon? And he just, he caught it right there. He saw the twinkle in my eye, like, oh, you've mm-hmm. thought about it. You've thought about it, haven't you? So, so he, uh, he helped convince me that maybe I could do something that I had always thought was impossible and run yeah. 26.2 miles. Was Greg coaching you at the time through, throughout all of this as your distances were getting longer? Was he a friend and you just happened to be out for coffee with him when he planted the seed? Yeah, he'd been a friend, but he started a, a running club uh, around that time, I think the year before that. So every Tuesday we would meet at the track in Steinbeck. There's one track in Steinbeck, so we meet at the track. And there was maybe, I don't know how many started, maybe 20 people or a dozen or so. So I got invited and it, it worked out well. We met up at 6 or 6.30 in the morning every Tuesday and he had a little workout for us. So I started getting into it and just rubbing shoulders with other runners and it became a, this community. So he wasn't officially coaching me, but I was just part of this group that was doing random running things. Got it. So tell us about your first marathon. First marathon was the Manitoba Marathon. And yeah, I trained really well. I was on a really good program. It was good. I think I went out at the beginning of my marathon. Someone that I knew passed me, he was doing the half. And he said, what time are you trying to finish in? So I gave him rattle off what time. And he's like, oh, you're going a little fast, aren't you? And you know, you can't spend it all now. You got to save it for later. But I did exactly what he said, and I burnt out at the end. I do remember hating just about everyone uh, in my life, including Greg, who signed me up for this thing, and just hating everything. Uh, but I did finish, and I I felt good at the end. It was a great feeling of relief to be in the stadium and having snacks. And we had a good crew of people, too, so we met up at the bottom there and kind of cheered everyone in. Uh, so it was a great experience. So I So I ended up, you know, hating and loving the experience, but also really thirsty for more in a strange way. Isn't it a twisted thing? Yeah. I tell you, we won't go into the parenting and childbirth analogies, but to me, there's a lot of similarities there. It's like you question Mm -hmm. why in the world? And then, oh my God, let's do it again. All in the same breath, all in the same breath. Yeah. So, okay. What, what year are we talking here? Like how long ago was your first marathon? That was 2018. Oh, not that long ago. Okay. No. Yeah. 
And then did you did you do another one? Like, tell us how it went from there. So I did another half marathon that year. And then because of, I think, just that tipping the scale of doing something that was impossible, I started looking at uh, trail running. So by that same time, winter of uh, when we were getting into 2019, I started eyeing a 50K. I was looking at Oxbow, uh, which runs in May, and thought, you know, if I could do that impossible, then maybe I could do a couple more kilometers over a bunch of hills and do a trail run. So then I signed up for that the following year. Did you do the 2019 Oxbow? Were you there? Yeah. Oh, I was there. No way. Of course. Yeah, you know, I was in my own little world running along yeah. in in 50 kilometers of trails where you barely see a soul. But yeah. still, it was a great day. I remember that. The weather was perfect. And anyways, yeah. okay, so was congratulations. Fun. That was your first ultra. Mm-hmm. And then? And then I did the Baudry Fall Classic and uh, another marathon that year. Baudry was fun because it was raining that year. And it was, mm-hmm. we were basically running through a river. <laughs> I signed up for the six hour and... I thought I could probably get 60K because I could do 5K every half hour and it would just all make sense. And I, I trudged it all out. No. I, again, hated my life and <laughs> and I was done after, I think after 50K, I thought, you know, I'm done. This is good. I hit 50. It was great. But my wife was there. Uh, she often, just because we have kids and stuff, she often isn't at my races, but because that's a loop race, she was yes. she was there and she was kind of my my crew and support. And then she she looked at me and come on, push yourself. Like she re- fed back all the lines that I usually use <laughs> on myself and uh-huh. no, you don't. So, so then I, I think I walked that lap, that last lap, the half of it, I was thinking like, I still didn't want to be there. I wanted to turn around and go back. And then I that saw was a people, miserable day. <laughs> it was so terrible. But then I got halfway through that lap and I saw a couple of people putting some pace on and I realized I actually won't make this lap if I don't hurry. So I, I started like, okay, I'm not going to stop to walk. Like I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to finish this thing. And uh, Joel Taves, the race director, was laughing at me at the, at the end. I think he probably loved the moment because I, I got to the finish and he said, you're too late. I missed, <gasps> the, I missed my last lap by 15 oh, seconds. No. Oh, <laughs> so, hey, that's the way it goes. I don't understand this. So I thought it was just however far you can go in no. six hours, but you have to actually complete a loop. That's yeah. Cruel. Is yeah. he like... Yeah. Um, Gary Cantrell in disguise or something like that. <laughs> oh, he would probably love to hear you go to Gary Cantrell. But no, it's I think it's more the weather that conspires to make it hideous more oh, than yeah. Joel. Like that that race course is notorious for being knee deep, freezing water and slippery. Yeah. In fact, there's one section we dug the pig pen uh, <laughs> in the first kilometer there where the, where the cliff mm-hmm. kind of falls away. It was falling away and they built a new section and oh, it's just okay. so slippery. Oh, anyways. Okay. So we know you like to suffer. We know you like <laughs> to push yourself into longer distances. I'm curious though, with this range, what do you like the most? Like, do you like running on the track and doing speed work and running fast? Do you like going really long? Like where does your heart lie now? I like all of it in a sense. I think I like the challenge of going far. There's just something interesting about exploring a big space and trails allows that too. You can experience a lot of terrain in kind of a close to the ground way in, in a relatively short amount of time. So where hiking might take a certain amount of time, you can get there a little faster and see a little bit more. But I do love, I still love the feeling of going fast and being done quicker. There's something fun about that as well. So what about the 100, 100 meter dash? Are you still partaking? 
I haven't done that in a long time. No. <laughs> quicker is a relative term. <laughs> You're talking quicker like a 5K. Yeah, I know. It's funny how distances change, right? But yeah, 5K is a good short distance now. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the main reason we invited you on this podcast now. So we've talked about your history as, as a runner. You are the organizer of the Longest Night Run. Now, this just recently came on our radar, and I'm really curious for you to, first off, tell us what it is, and for, you know, right at the beginning, why? What What is the Longest Night Run all about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, after my first marathon that fall, I went to Treehern, and I did the half marathon there. Along with me at that time, our, some of our very best friends joined us. Uh, Jordan and Ashley Duick were, were like family, kind of our friend, our kids are all best friends because they're kind of similar ages and everything. And they had uh, spent a lot of time training to do this 5k and kind of after childbirth and just being through, you know, parenting and long nights and everything, they were really uh, excited to just have this statement of health and of taking care of themselves. So we made the drive out to Treehern. Uh, at that time, though, at that, right as we were going there, I guess, then Ashley was also uh, undergoing some tests and stuff and and starting to realize there was something not right with uh, her body. So she shortly after that time found out she had uh, stage four cancer. Oh my. After kind of an epic summer and we kind of like that was kind of a pinnacle moment, then I uh, started changing in a, a real big hurry. Uh, when she started that, uh, just going through treatment, she started a blog as well so she could let family and friends know what was going on. And one of those early post she she talked about inhabiting the darkness so she told a story about how her dad had taught her as a kid like it, actually when you're walking in the dark if you turn off your flashlight off your lantern you can see more in the dark so there was this uh, paradox of actually with the lights off if you don't try to escape the darkness you can actually be present in it so that really resonated and i know our community was going through a really difficult season with that like wow someone who's in their uh, 30s with four kids shouldn't have to go through this like this is terrible and we're trying to walk with her and her family through all of that so around that time uh, in fall then I don't know why this idea crazy ideas come up with runners but we started looking at well the longest night is it was happening on a weekend and like what if we ran through the night like what if we symbolically stood with her and walked with them as a family and so we we pitched that you know what if we would run through the night with you like could we do that as a relay let people get involved to walk or run with families or whatever and just stand with you it wasn't a fundraiser like they maybe at the time could have used the money but there was lots of you know there was a gofundme started for them right away and stuff there was a lot of support but like let's just stand with you through the night let's get through the night together we can inhabit the darkness with you was kind of the symbolic reason of doing that so that first night we did that everyone could sign up for a half hour slot Maybe even that year we had 100 people sign up to wake up at 12.30 a.m. or 2.30 a.m. And they would go with their friends or whatever it was and just do a lap around their backyard or whatever it was. It was actually virtual before races became virtual. It was a, okay. a virtual thing because we did have people far away too and, and their families who wanted to participate. So we had it all digital virtual so they could you could stay close to home, wake up at 3.30 a.m., be out for half an hour and and come back. So that's how it started. Uh, we started to to walk with our friends through the dark. And what year was this? 2018. Okay. Four years ago. 
Yeah, in Manitoba, that's just about 16 hours of darkness. So uh, we, we split that Significant. up. Significant. Yeah. And so in that first year, 2018, was Ashley with you? Like, did she participate or was she able to participate that first year? I think they wanted to. I forget what it was. She had started chemo by that time. So I think she wasn't feeling good that week or whatever. She, she had that cycle every two weeks or whatever it was. So I think for some reason it didn't quite mm-hmm. land right. But we ran past their house and they were very much a part of it and very grateful, but didn't yeah, actually partake that year. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And, and so then it became an annual thing. So what happened in 2019? 2019 was kind of a, it was a good year. It's, it stands out in my memory. We set up candles in front of their yard, uh, in front of their house, and we made the loop around town in Steinbeck. So people were still par- uh, being part of it virtually, but we also said, come to Tim Hortons. We kind of had a little station there and then walk to their house and back, light a candle mm-hmm. and go back, that kind of thing. And then there was also people going around town, we kind of have a four mile loop. That's our classic run around town loop. And pe- so people were doing that as well. And in the backyard in the evening, they had a bonfire going and there were friends stopping by. So it was kind of this party atmosphere, but it was also had this solemn thing too with, yeah. with candles and everything. It was this, this vigil kind of feel. So it was really, yeah, it was a really special night. Okay. So this is, this is happening again in 2021. What happened last year? Yeah. So in 2020, Ashley and her family were out of town because they were doing some treatments actually shortly before the longest night run, we got started to get some texts that they were going to be heading home. They were heading home quickly. So all of a sudden the longest night run took on this air of importance. I remember actually getting, we were rifling through these texts. Uh, My wife and I were actually walking in a park in Winnipeg and the snow was falling and it just felt like there was something in the air. Like this was, this was it. Like this season was like, this was important. It was poignant. It was heavy there was something in the air. So, um, so that's the air that the longest night run took. Uh, I had been really quiet. I had, I had run through run or walk through the 16 hours myself in 2019, but in 2020 felt like this is it. We got to do this. So I, I said, I'm going to do 16 hours and we're going to like, who's going to join me, that kind of thing. So, um, so it, it just took on this meaning that was really, it was really significant for our community to stand during this time. Ashley wrote later that she was actually in the hospital and because of the pandemic, she couldn't have guests or anything. So she was by herself in a hospital bed on the longest night of the year, going through her own long night. So it was just really significant that we could stand with her and move with her during that time. All right. So how is Ashley doing now? So uh, within a couple of weeks after the longest night run, she actually passed away. So that whole season in our life, like this upcoming season is just um, it's a heavy one and it's really significant. So as we look into this year, 2021, the longest night run, it takes on that um, air memorial, but also in, you know, what do we do for others as well? Because we found out that this story just, it resonated with people. Obviously when someone's suffering, we all can relate. We know someone who's suffering. Um, we've had someone who's had that diagnosis or we've lost that special somebody or right. everyone has that. So so we thought, let's do this again in memorial, but also Let's look at like, who are you running for? Who are you standing with? Who can you make this a statement for that, that you're going through a dark season and I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night to walk with you because, because mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to walk alongside someone who's suffering. There's nothing you can do, right? You can't fix it. You can't fix anything, but we found that at least symbolically, what we can do is we can move forward. We can 
be in the dark together and and hopefully that you know brings some encouragement and brings some solidarity you know we've talked about this remember carolyn in, in some previous episodes about how you know, sometimes when somebody is going through a rough time, we try to be the cheerleader and, you, you know, it's okay. It's all going to be better. Like cheer up. And in a way that can come across as almost minimizing their pain and, you know, brushing it off and not acknowledging it and just being in it, being with it and present with it without trying to minimize it or push it aside or push it down or replace it with something is easier said than done. And I admit, I don't do that very well. And, you know, first off, kudos to you mm-hmm. for, for starting this, this run in the first place and all the people who have participated. And again, condolences for the loss mm-hmm. of your friend, you know, mm-hmm. that, that must've been a super hard time. And now a year later, the first anniversary of, of, of somebody's death that's close to you is heavy. But like you said, going forward this year now, what do you, you've already said you hope to accomplish with 2021 is bringing in people where they're at, thinking about the people in their lives. What are your hopes for this run this year beyond that? Yeah, that, that might be it for this year, actually. Like just, we want people to be involved and to, uh, we talked about who are we, get, like, who are we doing this for now? Or is it, yeah. is there another family we adopt or is there another mm-hmm. cause we can support? So we didn't have that feeling of you know there's this this one person we want to really focus on and and maybe it's good that we don't even take a step back in a sense but at the same time what we were just feeling in our community I know you had jail on a few weeks ago as well and uh, what we were just feeling is the the need to support people in mental health Um, Mm -hmm. you know just the stories in our community even of suicides or in different different trouble that people are going through in dark seasons people are going through so we, we really, we turned it towards that. Ashley also was a counselor by profession. So we always know that mental health was really heavy on, on her heart as well. So, so we thought maybe we can make that shift and in her honor, we could try to support mental health work in our community. Mm-hmm. So, so for this year, we partnered with Eden Healthcare and, okay. uh, and they're, they've come on as a huge support just for us. Like they want to see this event go on and want to be part of it however they can. So we're going to use their space. Actually, they have a new space across from the clinic in Steinbeck. We're going to use it as a hub. And so we're we're excited, too, to be able to shine a light a little bit on what they're doing in our community as well to, to help people who are going through mental health uh, struggles and hopefully support the work that they're doing in the community. So I understand from your website that you're encouraging people to get involved no matter where they are. It's not just an event that takes Mm -hmm. place in Steinbeck. So if somebody is hearing this and wants to get involved, loves the idea, like this is a fantastic, like the, the organic nature of how this event began is really something special. And I, and you wrote about it on the website there. Um, But like you said, everybody can relate. Everybody knows somebody that, that needs that help. And maybe that somebody is you, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so how yeah. can somebody get involved uh, wherever they're hearing this? Yeah, so on our website, uh, longestnightrun.com, there's a link to register, which we're using signup.com, which basically just has volunteer signups. So there's a limited spots for the, we split it up into hour chunks this year. So you can sign up for one hour or two hours, we do have one person who's thrown down the gauntlet and will do the 16 hours this year. So maybe there'll be a few other crazy runner types out there who want to take on that challenge. That's not you but, this year. 
It's not me. We'll see. I can be roped into crazy things sometimes, but uh, someone be aside from me right now. But uh, so that's really exciting that there's there's some people who take this as, you know, a physical challenge that a way to suffer, a way to uh, acknowledge the darkness in a different way. And then also the other way is to donate. Eden Health has set up a link for us that's on our website as well uh, to donate to the, the work that they're doing. So it's free to sign up to be part of it. And as long as you set your alarm clock for your right time, then you're good to go. But from anywhere in the world. Uh, but we also do have, uh, we're going to have a bit of a route in Steinbeck to do that loop. And we have a hub with some snacks and stuff like that. So it's a really good way to connect with people as well. Definitely. Well, J- when Jayla was talking about her recent 43-mile run, so if people mm-hmm. haven't listened to this, we keep referring to, to <laughs> Jayla. So go back a few episodes. Um, I believe it's episode 61. And uh, she was talking about how the nature of her run and her brother had suffered with mental health, depression, and had recently committed suicide. That was the um, genesis of her run. She said that she was never alone and people came out and they were were talking Mm -hmm. the whole time. It like sparked this conversation, this dialogue. So I'm curious whether over the three previous years that you've done this, does anything stand out to you as a memorable story, a conversation that you had like, did it get people talking in a way that stands out to you? Mm-hmm. I had a good friend who joined me for a couple of years. The last year, he joined me for most of the 16 hours. There were a few hours not, but maybe 12 of them or something. Uh, I actually remember his him getting to meet uh, Jordan and Ashley that year of 2019. He's like, oh, you got to meet these people we're running for. So we got to go to the back and join the bonfire and meet people. So I think, I think that was really special that people got to meet our friends and be part of our community. We also saw online that there were people who I was connected with that were were writing specifically to Ashley saying, hey, I feel feel like I've met you, but I've never met you. But just the way people were coming together to support people that they didn't know. That's very cool. Really special. That is super cool. And I have to ask, how is, did you say his name is Jordan, Ashley's husband? Yeah. How is mm-hmm. he doing? Yeah. Yeah. I remember a few months ago, he said that uh, grief never goes away, but you start to get used to it in a sense. Yeah. So. And that's maybe a good description. I'm obviously not in his shoes, but the way we've experienced it too, um, because yeah, Ashley was my wife's best friend and just, yeah, it just comes back and hits you at random times, but Mm -hmm. there's a sense of having to move forward as well. And I, you know, as you talk, I can't help but think about so many, what's the word, ways that the longest night can be symbolized in a person's experience of life, mm. whether it be mental, physical, grieving, you know, um, struggling with whatever it is. You know, you started this run as a way to to acknowledge physical suffering, and now it's turning as a way to heal and grieve together and memorialize mm. and potentially just be and acknowledge other types of struggles. And so I can see, you know, I can see this run lasting for many, many years, potentially having multiple locations with, with people running in their own neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's such a universal concept. Mm-hmm. So in doing my research on you, you, you mentioned that, you know, you run for many different reasons. You like to explore. You seem to be quite a thinker and an artist and you are a writer as well. And so I want you to talk to us a little bit about the the long-standing writing of haikus that you've done over the years. So every single day, 
for how long, Brent? How long have you write it, written a haiku for? Mm, hasn't been every single day, but since 2018, so about four years. Okay. So go check out his blog. We'll link it in our show notes. There's a lot of awesome writing on there. And you've recently published a book with your haikus. Mm. So I guess just tell us a little bit about how you started writing and how this book came to be. I've done writing for a long time. I think I, I fired up my blog probably just before New Year's Day because it wasn't going to be a New Year's resolution, but I wanted to start putting stuff out there, I guess. So probably over 10 years ago. But so writing has always been something that I've enjoyed and um, somehow creating or putting thoughts on paper in a creative way has been a thing that I've enjoyed doing. I think in 2018, one fall day in October, I I decided, oh, I'll try writing a haiku about my run. Let's try that. I've, I've admired, there's a few people, Ricky Gates has done every single street. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, there's <laughs> there's other people I follow who are, who do something creative with their activity. So it's not purely running for speed or time or trying to do a workout. It's like experiencing the world and then expressing it somehow. I admire people who take pictures from their runs. For me, I never like bringing my phone along because it's this extra thing. So I don't always have the ability to snap a picture, but I thought, well, I could take like kind of this mental snapshot and I want to do, have a, a writing practice. I just don't have time to sit down for an hour every day and write out some chapter in some book, but I, I could write 17 syllables a day. Like I could do that, you know, between coming home, showering, having breakfast, I could quickly jot something down and, and then post it. It could be my daily little habit. So, so that started. And now it's at, if I do well, then I'll have a thousand of these little poems by the end of this year. So it's kind of weird. And I always want to stop and then, ah, oh, no, I should, I'll do one more. So it's like running. It's this odd habit that you don't want to break the chain. So it's become a bit of a thing for me. It's like a streak. Yes, it's like a, a creative run streak. Okay, but I'm fascinated with this because I think, again, every runner can relate to your best ideas just kind of bubble up onto yes. the surface when when you're on your daily run. So my yeah. question is, do you ever... So that probably happens, right? You're like a mental snapshot. Okay, I'm looking at, you know, this thing. You freeze frame yeah. that in your mind. And, and for the rest of the run, you develop your haiku. I'm not sure how your you, what your practice <laughs> is like, but I'm imagining it's something like that. And, and the first few probably came fairly easily. But after such a long streak, are you ever a little teeny weeny bit stressed out in the middle of the run being like, what am I going to haiku <laughs> about today? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've definitely had days, even recently, days where... I either, I've had a few days where I've forgotten and then a few days where late at night, like, oh, I didn't even write my thing because I just went into my next thing. I didn't have like a big moment during my run. It just was was what it was. And I went through my day and then all of a sudden I think back at 10 o'clock, like, oh, I need, I actually could write something. I got so quickly run to my phone and, and punch it out before midnight. But it, it's very, and I've tried to be relaxed with myself on that, that whatever, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. But yeah. Uh, it's fun when it, you keep it going. I, I, I was going to ask you why the haiku, and <laughs> you answered that. It's, you know, it's it's a way to write that's sustainable. It's not taking too much time. But mm-hmm. what I like about it, so I'm one of those picture takers. I do take mm. my phone, and I actually yeah. spend sometimes far too much time <laughs> setting up the shot. <laughs> but when, when the light is right, that's the best. I'm just yeah. like, oh, my goodness, the sun just burst through the clouds. Boom, like, stop. I've got to take a picture of this. But it's a 2D moment in time 
where you can express a visual image or a concrete image. What I like about some of your haikus is your mental picture isn't just two-dimensional. You can talk about how you're feeling, Mm. what the weather's like, the temperature, you know, it's almost like a written diary as I read some of Mm. your haikus. You know, I can tell, oh, it snowed that day. (laughs) Oh, you know, that was, that was a day he was really tired, you know, (laughs) whatever. Um, And do you ever read back through some of your writing and in that Mm -hmm. way as kind of a way to remember what was the day that that happened kind of thing? Yeah, it's funny how like pictures do that, right? If you look back on your camera yeah. roll, you're like, oh yeah, that's the day that happened. I noticed that yeah. I, I haven't looked back. Well, I did look back in developing a book, but I remember after a year or two, I looked back and I thought, oh, I know exactly. Like I had that mental picture still. It still had the same trigger that a photo would. So it's interesting how words on a page. Yeah. And, and maybe art at its best can also describe a little bit of what a person is wanting to express as well. It's not purely the color of the sky, but it's how the sky relates to what's going on inside. So that's maybe the best ones that that have that. So you have this resonance even a year or two later where, oh yeah, that's how that moment felt three years ago, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Well, can we hear a couple of these haikus? Do any stand out as a favorite of yours? (laughs) Well, yeah, I I feel funny about reading these haikus sometimes because I still, I still don't take the 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 nomer of a haikuist very well, maybe. But uh, I, one that stands out for me is the one I wrote in the first few months that that really kind of signified what this was all about, what this project was about. Uh, so it's it goes like this: He ran not for speed, but to connect heart, head, feet to the sacred ground. Mm, I like that. it. And, and I wrote, I, well, because last year, Longest Night Run was also a poignant time. So I, there were a few that really, that still stand out as being snapshots of that time. So on the longest night last year, I wrote, on the longest night, one foot in front of the other until the sunrise. Amazing. Do you have, all, I guess you would have them all from the, the longest nights, the years before that too. Mm-hmm. What a great, yeah. amazing, creative, original idea. Honestly, kudos to you for you. for keeping it going this long. That is absolutely incredible. And so you've published yeah. the haiku, like you've turned it into a book. Is that what I understand? Yeah. Tell us about how this book came to be. Yeah, I've wanted to for a long time write a book. I've I've written a couple little books in the past, but I wanted to do it again. So in spring, I signed up for a writing workshop. But basically, the core of it it was relating to marathon running and running all the time. So. I think once you've run, then you everything relates. Everything in life relates to running, right? But hundred <laughs> percent. But this was the 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 leader too had run some marathons and was always relating it back to that journey. But the heart of it was a daily blog post, essentially, where you're in a small community and you're writing daily just to see what this book is that you want to write. So out of that, I discovered a a kind of poetry that combines haiku with prose. So you could tell a whole story and then it maybe ends with a haiku or it's a combination of it. So that's what I landed on as being, hey, that could fit because I like telling a bit more of a story or saying a little bit more. And then the haiku poems kind of fit in. It's a the type punctuation of po- at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little still moment at the yeah. end or something. Yeah. So it's called Haibun. It was originated in Japan by Basho, who's a very famous haikuist uh, poet. So uh, so that's the the book that I put together. Uh, it's in ebook form right now, and hopefully will be a paperback soon. But need to do some some work on that. 
So how does one go about publishing a book? So I'm really curious about this. You being a graphic design and art and a writer, it seems like a natural fit for you to self-publish this book. So mm-hmm. is that what you're doing or have you sought publishers for it? I haven't sought publishers. Uh, the workshop that I was part of had some of that how-to. The destination was get your ebook onto the Amazon Kindle store. So that was really helpful for me. I had I'd self-published and I'd also gotten some books printed at a local printer, but it was interesting to walk through getting it on Amazon. So it was on there and then it's also available some other ways on PDF and ebook forms. So that was a really good experience. It is a lot of work and much like a podcast, maybe the, the editing and the formatting and all that takes longer than you'd hope. You kind of turn from that creative writing mode to project mode of like, getting this thing produced and you just want to get it out the door by the end of the day. So, but it's a really good experience. I enjoyed it. Awesome. So it is on Kindle, Amazon now and people can purchase it. Yeah. Yeah. It's called morning Let's rounds. Let's link that up. Yes. Yeah. Plug, morning plug rounds. it. Okay. Plug <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's on my website too, uh, brentmanke.com. There's some links from there too. So. Excellent. I, I actually need to get in my two favorite haikus from the recent oh, research yeah, I did yeah. on your blog here before we go. So I, I won't make you stand alone in reading, haikus, <laughs> although I might not say it as well. But I think they um, are good examples of what I was speaking to about four or five dimensional, you know, mm. art, right? So these are more recent because I didn't go back <laughs> a thousand haikus. But this one I really liked, Unwinding a maze of trails in my mind. Hmm. So as a trail runner, how many times do we go out and get lost? Because our minds have gone off in so many different places. And you, you, you look around and go, where am I? And the trails just aren't under your feet. They're in your mind. Hmm. And you come home completely. You started like a ball of yarn. And at the end, you're just nicely laid out. Hmm. I don't know. That, that to me resonated. And I'm sure my interpretation was not maybe what your intent was. Well, that's ready, what I was going to say. <laughs> like, uh, do you remember, Brent, the the day that you wrote that one, what run you were on? And like, that's that's what art is so amazing, right? It, it's it's in yeah. the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. in a way. It's whatever you want it to to mean or whatever you want to see or or hear yeah. or whatever. So um, do, you, do you happen to remember uh, that one? That was only I, on November 5th, so it wasn't that oh, long. okay. <laughs> well, I'm guessing, I think, that, Kim, your mental image is probably a lot more epic than it actually was, so so I did a good job there. But I think it was probably running uh, the golf course trails, actually. So, okay. so in wow. town, not far, but but still, yeah, the, I think the mental maze and kind of unraveling whatever's going on yeah. inside was kind of what, yeah. yeah, yeah. So exactly what you're saying. It's a metaphor, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the other one was from October. Again, not that long ago, but I I love the one that says, shadows beneath the tall moonlight, known by their voice. Mm. So to me, that's the longest night run type of poem. Mm. Like how you can't take a picture of somebody's voice, but you can, you can write about it. So anyways, mm. go check it out. If you're interested in how runners think. And if you're a runner yourself, you know what happens inside your mind when you start going on long runs. And uh, if you want to see if there's any anything you can identify with in Brent's book, support a fellow runner in his artistic talents and uh, download it for Christmas present for somebody. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So what is coming up next for you? Do you have your sights set on anything particular in your uh, your business, your personal life, your running uh, for 2022? That is a great question. I think the last if the last two years have taught me anything, it's the to not plan too far ahead. I've had trouble actually planning too far ahead because there's no use getting my hopes up. But yeah, we're busy planning the longest night run. So that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I see the snow falling. So I am a cross-country skier as well. So I'm looking forward to experiencing the world on skis. And then uh, we'll see. I would like to maybe do some races. I've also just taken to, maybe because races were canceled, just the opportunity to explore places Mm -hmm. on foot. So I'm hoping for some more of those kinds of adventures in the next year. All right. So we end each podcast with five rapid fire questions. We Mm -hmm. sent them to you um, in advance. Are you ready for them? got them. (laughs) Okay. I'll start it off with what is your uh, favorite running mantra? My favorite is keep moving forward. I found that, yeah, as long as you're, even if you're walking or whatever it is, as long as you're moving, then you're making progress. So that's helped me through a lot of long, grueling runs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Excellent. Do you have a favorite place to run? My favorite place is in a provincial forest, not far from Steinbeck, about 25 minutes away is the Sandylands. And that's a place that is a place I can get to just about any weekend and get back in time for, for breakfast with the family. So nice. it's a place I like to escape to as often as I can. Awesome. And you've mentioned your wife a couple of times. Again, this is where you never like truly keep these rapid. Um, is she a runner as well? <laughs> she is not. Okay. I think she, she sees how great it is, but she hasn't really taken to it herself, which is fair enough. Fine. I think I've tried to convince her, but that that never works out well. So maybe when she sees you struggling through the mud, uh, coming up on your six hours and hating everybody, yeah. um, maybe that's not really inspiring to her. I don't know. Maybe I didn't sell it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get my kids into running actually, and that sell hasn't worked as well as I thought. Yeah, either. I can relate to that too. <laughs> Sign them up for the mud run, man. Kids love yeah, mud. My kids are all over the mud run. Okay, that's a good idea. All right. Um, do you have a bucket list race? I I asked my wife, what's the place that I always talk about? What's my bucket list place? And I I know it's tough to get into a lot of these big bucket list races. That's why I think exploring them is a good way to go about it too. But I think I've mentioned Chamonix a lot of times in the past yes. few months and years. So I would love to explore the Alps and mm-hmm. get out that direction. And also even Western Canada. I think anywhere away from Manitoba, there's lots of uh, mountains that I'd love to explore more as well. Come to Calgary. I'll show you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have a favorite running book or movie? I think the book that, that kicked a lot of things off for me and maybe for a lot of people was born to run. Mm -hmm. I think I love the adventure of that one and the mystery and just the idea of yeah, moving naturally through the world and and experiencing it that way. So that's maybe what tipped me off into trail running and, and long runs. But I also enjoy uh, Scott Durek's book, North, was a really fun read as well, yes. a more recent adventure. I have to agree, especially for somebody, I think, around your age or older. You know, mm. as you start to move into your fourth, fifth decade of life, there was just different perspective in that book I found really, really good. Yeah. Final question. What is your favorite post-run indulgence? Some people have, uh, they talk about different kinds of gravity that pulls them to the end. For me, it's coffee. I have coffee gravity. 
because I usually don't drink coffee before I run in the morning. So I'll go to the Sandy Land, say, and think, oh, getting home, having breakfast, having a coffee would be great. And I think the kid, the family benefits too, because I come home hungry and like, what are we going to have? I'm going to make pancakes. We'll have it also. <laughs> they get the best breakfast on yeah. daddy's run. They get the reward there, without yeah. having to go for the run? What? That's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> I actually asked my kids what their favorite post-run indulgence was and because they trained a little bit for the honey run this last oh. year. And, mm-hmm. and what got them through was Gatorade because when we get home, oh. we'll have Gatorades. So. Okay. Yeah, that okay. was their thing. Yeah. That's great. Their coffee's come up a lot mm-hmm. lately, eh, Caroline? Well, you and Jayla could go for a coffee because that's oh, what she okay. said yeah. too. That's right. She did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is fascinating. I love the idea of of this run. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I, I am so happy we were able to have this conversation and hopefully spread the word. And I do hope that you continue on to do it uh, year after year because those dark nights are not going away, unfortunately. In, in all of our lives. It's just part of being human. So mm-hmm. thank you. It was an absolute pleasure getting to know you more. And uh, we'll have to take a trip out to Steinbeck and see what's going on out there <laughs> very soon. So uh, drink some of the water. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks so much for having me.